we go. If you only had, if you only knew how many times we've heard that song already today. Um, welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Thank you for switching over to um, this new feed. Uh, Mike and I appreciate it very, very much. That is Mike Levin of LibertyBallers.com. Say hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I am Spike Eskin of uh, of numerous places of this podcast. Um, Mike, we have a lot to get into today. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot. I have, you know, the last few weeks on Rights to Ricky Sanchez based on the time of year it is for the NBA, has been a bit of a struggle to find, you know, sort of relevant topics. There are a bunch this week, um, and there's one that tops the list, obviously, the the Spencer Hawes issue, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I actually have a couple of uh, requests and questions as well. Um, want to give a shout-out to um, Fantasource and Paul Weasel, who asked for a shout-out. Uh, follow them on Twitter. They just renewed their full season ticket package um, for the Sixers. So they bought wow. tickets to every Sixers game. So there we go. Now, um, if you've listened to the podcast before, or if this is your first time, the setup is this. Um, Mike has criticized, and myself, have criticized Spencer Hawes um, a lot, both online, on the radio, for his basketball play. Um I think we both admire his jackassery on Twitter and think he's sort of a funny guy. But as I mentioned to Mike last time, that might not matter to Spencer that much um, because we've been so vicious about his basketball playing. Mike had a ch- Mike visited Seattle. His roommate knows Spencer a little bit, and Mike set off on this journey to hang out with Spencer Hawes while he was in Seattle. Not talk about bas- basketball, just hang out with Spencer Hawes. We asked that people tweet at Spencer and make it happen, um, and that was the last I heard. The last we spoke was your you were leaving for Seattle, and then the last I saw, I saw a picture of you and Spencer on Twitter. So if you could sort of recap this all for us, I know we've all been waiting, and this is this is big news. This is great. I First of all, thanks, everybody, for all your tweets and all the hanging with Spencer hashtags. Uh... It happened. I mean, it was just the coolest thing. It was just, it just all of a sudden happened. Let me start. Uh, I guess I start with the day I leave. Uh, I was trying to get my roommate, Andrew Sharp, who writes for Grantland. Uh, I was trying to get him to text Spencer about this because I know maybe he's seen the tweets, but it doesn't get serious until like he's actually like forced to respond. So I was trying to get Andrew to text him all week, and he was sort of reluctant to do it. And then finally, on the day I left, he was like, all right. I texted him. I said, hey, Spencer, you can you can shove him in a trash can or something, but, you know, my boy's going to be there. And he knew he knows who I am uh, because we've been, you know, you and I, and various people on Liberty Ballers have been vicious about him. So, you know, his friends or his family or whoever happens to read Liberty Ballers and tell him. And so he, he, knows. he knows. He knows who we are, and he knows that we're – uh, we're not fans of his on the basketball court, but he doesn't realize, I don't think, or maybe he didn't realize, that we were big fans of him, the person. And and that would be easy for for him not to realize that, because, right. you know, um, because mostly, you know, when when a guy has that many followers and sees that much stuff, 
it's it's and especially when you would we would imagine ma- the majority of the the tweets about him even when you're not tweeting at him or whatever are Spencer you know why can't you guard any you know most of it is negative basketball stuff so it wouldn't it's not wholly unsurprising that he wouldn't be aware of of the latter part of that right but i would never tweet as we've discussed on the podcast before i would never tweet at his handle right you suck yeah Spencer, right yeah that would be that um, but he was under the impression that he had blocked me. And a brief question before, if he blocked me, wouldn't I not be able to see his tweets? Right. Or am I off? Yes. No, you're right. Now, um, now sometimes if you block a guy, you can't see his, if he blocks you, you can't even see if somebody retweets him. But I don't think that's the case anymore because um, both Buster Olney and Darren Rovell have me blocked, and I see the, <laughs> I see the retweets. I, one one of my most um, my best moments ever. It's on SpikeEskid.com somewhere. Is that when Darren Rovell named like his five biggest haters, and I was on the list. I was like, wow. apropos of nothing. I was like, oh my god. Um, so yeah, I, you yes. If he had blocked you, you wouldn't be able to see his normal tweets. Well. He was under the impression that he has he had blocked me, but under at no point in life have I not been able to go to his page and see all of his fantastic tweets. Right. So I I don't know where the confusion was, but I've never been blocked by Spencer Hawes. He thought that I was. Moving on. So Andrew texted him, said you can shove him in his trash can, and uh, and I was like, okay. So he was Andrew was like he's very noncommittal. Just give it a shot, and you know we'll see. You'll see when we get there. Did he give you his? Like, did you have the phone number at that point? Like, how? Yeah, did... yeah. Sharp, and then Sharp gave me his number. Okay. So I, at this point, on a plane to Seattle, having Spencer Hawes' number, very excited. Uh, I get there, and I'm staying with my friend from college, and uh, I'm just like, hey, but I, I also played it like you know. I'm the blog nerd, that kind of thing. I wanted to sort of, you know, self-effacing myself. Wanted just sort of to endear myself to him so he's not thinking I'm this, like, coming in as, like, a hot shot, like, bro, you want to see me? Because I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in Seattle. You know, just sort of repiping what, what Sharp said. And, uh, and I, he asked, like, you know, where, where are you going and that kind of thing. So we, we talked a little bit about this kind of thing. He, he was like, uh, it's all good, bro. Like I unblocked you, so we're cool. And I was like, I don't know what I didn't say it, but I'm like, yeah, never, never unblocked at one point, at any point in life. So there's there's this whole unblocking conspiracy. I don't okay. know what's going on. Uh, so over the course of the first night, and this is Friday night, uh, we were talking, and you know, just sort of casual here and there, like, where are you? You know, what are you doing? Uh, talking about the areas in Seattle a little bit, like a few texts here and there, and. Uh, then he was like, uh, bro, you should go to Sean Kemp's bar. Because Sean Kemp from Seattle owns a bar called Oscars, uh, which is near where Spencer lives, in like this Queen Anne. If, you, if anyone's familiar with Seattle, it's in like, the Queen Anne area. Now, real uh, quick, when he says you should go to the bar, is this, do you start like, Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! This is going to happen. Does that happen to you at this point? Kind of, but it was already late. Okay. I was already very drunk. Okay. 
and I was in the process of wooing a lady. Ah. So, uh, I talk. I talked to him about that. Uh, just so, and he's twenty-five. Like he's a bro. Like that's how it is. Like I, so I know how to talk to him because he's like almost everybody else that I know, except he has millions of dollars and he's a foot taller than everyone. Yeah, and he really uh, loved George Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't get to that. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. But uh, so the, the night ended, and then uh, I didn't end up seeing him. Because he got too drunk, stayed in the stayed in the area that I was, and he and didn't end up making it out to him. The next morning, he texts me first. Ooh. So you would think that you would think that this whole thing was about you know me pestering him and, and dragging him down. No, this was I, I would say that over the weekend, Spencer texted me more than I texted him. <laughs> This is, that's the line right there. This is what this, I I imagine on some level he was like, you know, it's different when you actually meet somebody that, that, um, that hates you online, there's like a, it's a weird thing for both people, right? Because Mm -hmm. like, it's normally a humbling thing for the hater because the hater realizes, oh, which you already realize, but it's even more when you're actually talking to him. It's like, oh man, this is actually a real person. You know, it's like that wall's breaking down. But even for the Haiti, the Haiti also realizes, oh man, like, I'm not that mad, you know, like, I don't want this guy to think that I hate him. Like there's this, there's so many walls as, as I've done it before, like a bunch of times, it's a weird um, and mostly as the Haiti, um, it's a weird sort of bit, um, that happens. But I remember when I, I told, I spoke on a previous podcast when I was talking about Maurice Spates's defense and he took offense and I actually met him in person. It was like that sort of like, ah, uh, you know, we're just talking about basketball. This is not that deep sort of, sort of thing. So he, he probably wanted you to know as well, like that he's not that hurt by anything either so i don't uh, think he had an agenda yeah I, I don't i don't think at any point spencer had an agenda i think it was like oh just like see what's up kind of thing yeah so so he texted me the next morning i was gonna wait because i didn't want to i didn't want to think i was you know dependent on him i was i was basically gonna wait for another a couple hours and just like sort of say hey what's up what's up for tonight you were treating this like a girl like a i was gr- treating this like a girl like, like he was my, a girl my, and my friends were, were very aware that I was <laughs> So uh, he texts me this morning, and this is the text I get. And I, I, I'm not going to repeat any of, other, any of the other texts that he sent because I feel like that's inappropriate. But this one uh, said, did you get any tang last night? <laughs> Which was just. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Everything. So I, that's such a Spencer. Imagine Spencer text too. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It really is. It was perfect. I loved it. Uh, laughed for a while. Uh, until we talked over the course of the day, and uh, I was like, um, talked to him. I was like, actually, I'm at this uh, bar called Pesos. This is before I knew where he lived, and I had apparently gone to a restaurant bar. Uh, down the street from his house without realizing. Uh, and it was also, also in the same like area as, ben, as uh, Sean Kemp's bar, but I also didn't know that at the time either. Uh, so I'm, I'm having breakfast with my friend Jesse and my friend Kevin, who I, Kevin is the one I went up to Seattle with. And uh, really good 
Dungeness Crab Eggs Benedict, by the way. Just putting that out there. Okay. Go get it. It's delicious. I had it twice. Um, so, so we're there reading, and uh, we leave. And he texts me saying, I'm at the North Wall. And I was like, I don't know what that, I what know. that means. I was like, I, we were walking to, my, walking to the car, so I was like, I'll just get in there. And he's like, and then he texted me again by the bar. And I was like, wait, is he there? And as I'm thinking about that, he calls me. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm sitting there with a ringing phone. My phone, my ringtone is uh, Sufjan Stevens. So all of a sudden, Sufjan is playing to tell me that Spencer Hawes is calling me on the phone. And I'm just like, I'm looking around like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and so I, so, so I answer and just sort of like, what's up, bro? Like, that, like, sort of like, you know, we've talked before. Yeah. But this, I'm, like, I'm this... like, it's pleasant to hear from him, that kind of thing. Yeah. And in like very deep voice, like to the point where it was like, is he putting on a, an act because <laughs> his voice was so deep? Uh, he sounded like he was a kidnapper in a TV yeah, show <laughs> that is calling the cops. You're, you're in the bridge all of a sudden. Yeah, and, and suddenly my voice got higher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, so he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, he- I'm here or something along those lines of like being here and whatever. So we were walking in our car. We were two blocks away. I was like, oh, I'll circle back. So me, Jesse, and Kevin turn around, walk back. They're not basketball fans at all. So they don't get it. They're not, they're not sure what's happening. Like, they, they don't care about Liberty Ballers there. So they're just like, okay, we're about to go meet a tall guy. And uh, I'm sort of skipping there, like high-stepping. Like, just like, it's already celebratory. Like, yeah. this is going to happen. Yep. I, text, I text Dave Reuter and Tanner Stidell saying, this is happening right now. <laughs> this is about to happen. For those who don't know, by the way, uh, Dave Reuter and Tanner are writers for Liberty Ballers. So just, just and filling it. And also uh, on the very inner circle of the shenanigans of me and Spencer. Right. Uh, so we walk in and, you know, it wasn't hard to identify where he was because... He's seven feet tall. Yep. So he's sitting at the bar. His back is to me. Can I? I just want to throw this out there real quick. Um, okay. Having I have my picture. I met Spencer at a um, like in a non basketball setting at like a Sixers season ticket thing at the Camden Aquarium once, and I have my picture with him. And you really can't describe what somebody who is seven feet tall like looks like unless you stand next to somebody who is seven feet tall. Like you yeah. can imagine it, but seven feet tall people are bananas tall and I'm not even talking about like 6'10 people like I remember standing next to Batie and Spencer Hawes and just being like like when he puts his hand on your shoulder and you can see it in the picture it is look like it looks like grown man and child like it doesn't yeah. the difference is it's a stark difference you know so continue I'm sorry well, well Brandon Brandon Galton who also who oh runs, right yeah he's uh, tall too he's 6'10 yeah so we're I, I guess that was my prep my preparation of you know meeting him a couple months ago this is, this is the culmination of that. So his back is to me. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm wearing, okay, so you can't tell in the, in the, in the picture, but I'm wearing pink pants, which I felt was pretty perfect at the time, uh, and a black T-shirt and, uh, and like hipster sunglasses that I got from 
my college senior week, like three years ago. So I'm, as I'm walking up, I'm like, I'm very conscious of like what I look like and who I am and stuff. And I'm like, I don't think he thinks that I look like this. I'm a normal looking guy. And I like play, I'm reasonably athletic looking. So like, I'm not some, I don't think some idea of mother, mom's basement looking guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas you look like you've never seen the sunlight. Well, um, wait a minute. I was just kidding. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I'm very conscious of myself as I'm like, what? what maybe he's not going to like these pants. That's like yeah. my thought I was going up there. What, what is he going to say about these pants? Again, we're still on the, you know, this is like me, like a girl that you, that exactly, you want to date. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't be any more like a girl. Uh, so I, I had a condom on me too, just, just in case things, <laughs> things escalated. You never know. Already on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's already on. Oh uh, man. That's awful. So I'm yeah. walking up and, uh, he's sitting with two other guys. One of whom is, uh, I can tell is, uh, my roommate, Andrew, his friend. So I was already like, okay, like I already have, I'm like, there's a connection already happening. So I walk over He's got a huge margarita in front of him. It's like 10.30 in the morning on a Saturday, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. And uh, I just, like, sort of clasp him on the back and, uh, and turn and like, Trezor, it's Mike. And he was like, what's up, bro? So shook hands, introduced him to my friends, uh, you know, met his friends kind of thing. And he just kind of looked at me, started, like, nodding, be like, so, and so we just like, we talked for like 10 minutes and it was really like, uh, not hostile at all. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, minimally about the Sixers. Uh, probably just, a little, uh, probably a little awkward. I imagine. Not really? No, it wasn't. It really wasn't. It was just kind of like, you know, you're meeting, meeting an old friend at a bar. He wasn't, he didn't say anything about like, like he didn't comment on Liberty Ballers. He didn't say anything right. about me ripping him on Twitter. Right. Uh, it was just like, like we, we like we've been pen pals for years, and finally it was like, oh yeah, this is great, like that kind of thing. He said, <laughs> I invited him uh, to whenever he's in L.A. to to, to like come to, come over, and this is the only sort of like this is the only hostile thing he said, uh, and I don't think it was conscious. I think it was just like he has so much money, then why with it? But I was like, if you ever want to like swing by my apartment, like in LA, just let me know. We're in Santa Monica. Like you can meet Sharp because he's friends with it. He's met him before. And he's like, I'm good, bro. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, cause it's, cause I was also talking to his friend. His name is CJ. Uh, and I was like, yes. And CJ was like, yeah, totally. It's better. just like, I'm good. Like definitely not going to happen. Uh, but I do think the door is left open for when, when they're here, when the Sixers are here uh, over the course of the season, maybe I'll just shoot him a text and be like, where are you going out kind of thing and sort of make that happen. Yeah. Well, at least you'll uh, get another I'm good, bro. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Uh, but I think, it was, I think it was worth extending the offer. Yeah, I mean, it's success, right? I mean, so let me ask you this, and, and you can say it. Um, you know, you we've talked a lot about the difference between being a blogger guy and being beat reporter guy. Um, and one of the things that I've mentioned a bunch of times is that it's it's a little different. And this is this was actually, I think, what was difficult for 
um, why Kate Fagan's life when she was here wasn't particularly easy all the time is because she was super, super, super honest when she wrote, which meant ripping the coach, ripping some players, not ripping them as they're bad people, but being very critical. Um, sure. A lot of the other beat writers, for all the, the sports in this city, um, can be can be less than critical, I'd say. Um, especially, I, for, they're critical of the Eagles, but not so critical of Phillies, Flyers, Sixers. I mean, well, what, I think you look at like Mac Albin, Mac Albison. Stuff and yeah, I guess, but n- certainly not to the level of any blogger person. I don't think. Right. Uh, Gelb's a good writer. Uh, uh, like, uh, it's not that he's a good. Like, I'm not critiquing. I'm not criticizing what kind of reporter you they can't are. Can't do it. It's, it's tough yeah. to do it. Yeah. So now that you have um, spent even minimal time with him, which I imagine is like the first like uh, you know serious Sixers player that you've actually spent actual time with. You know, like, is it going to be more when he's really shitty in a game this year? And he will be at some point really shitty um, and be very Spencer Hawes about it. I'm sure he'll have a few great Steve Hawes type games, but he'll have he'll he'll go back to Spencer. Like, are you going to be able it'll be more difficult for you to be as negative as you were before, I would imagine. Right. I would say yes, under the circumstances, under any under normal circumstances, but because we're rooting so hard for the Sixers to lose and be bad, and, and I just have no stake in what their season is because no matter what I root for or what I want to happen, they're going to be terrible. Uh, I'm just going to be along for the ride and having a great time. So if Spencer's having a great game or having a terrible game, I'm going to be enjoying it, I think. Um, so I yeah. think because, because it's a tanking season or you know, just a lost season in general, I don't think there's going to be that much where I'm like, you know, in the Celtics series, watching him just leave Garnett wide open from 15 feet and he keeps hitting shot after shot after shot. I didn't bring that up to him either. Uh, <laughs> Shocking. But, uh, yeah. Hey, bro, why couldn't you even ca- guard Brandon Bass, bro? He's terrible. <laughs> Brandon Bass, really? Lowest release in the league. Yeah. And he's getting off clean shot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think under the circumstances, yeah, I, that would make a difference. But because this season is just going to be, you know, me running naked through a field, I'm not uh, that invested in his play. I do so. think within the context of one particular game, it's 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 easy to say that you're not that invested. But over 82 games, I feel like, and I'm not saying that you, you will or you won't. This is just my guess. But I think over 82 games it becomes difficult to continue to watch if you don't at least become um, like sort of invested in each game. Even when you want them to lose, really, sometimes like the natural fan thing takes over, and even when you want them to lose, you, you start wanting them to win, or it becomes frustrating when somebody's not doing what they should do. Um, now, maybe him less than, say... Uh, MCW or Noel or somebody that you have or no, Noel that somebody that you have like expectations of like you, you don't right. have any expectations of Spencer but I do think it will be interesting when he is just killing you one game um, how that you know how you handle that um, I think I think it's gonna be fun yeah but uh, the picture happened and so this is so we, we talked for 10 minutes and there's college football on and margarita's happening and my friends were talking to him as like we were talking to other people. So it was, it was really just like, it wasn't like I went up to him and it was me and him just having like a showdown. It was just like, there's six people here and we're all just kind of having a conversation and Spencer's there and we're talking about whatever. He says he's in Philadelphia for workouts and it was super hot. 
uh, he said something about Brett Brown for a second uh, that I actually can't repeat. I don't want to. Um, and it was it was cool. It was, it was a normal conversation. And then I was like, I, I didn't want to, you know, bother him too much because they had food coming. But you're like, hey, by the way, I need proof of this. Yeah, no, I was just like, so you want to take a picture? And he was like, and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we definitely have to immortalize this. That's uh, what he said. We got to immortalize this. So I go. think that was him realize like that, like the whole time he was sort of like giving me a smile, like I know what you say about me, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't say it. And then when he said that we got to immortalize this, like it was just another like he knows, <laughs> he knows this is a big deal. <laughs> I think, which is cool. Like he's not just like I'm just some other fan. Uh, he knows this is a big deal and that people are going to laugh about this. Uh, so it took, we took a couple of pictures and uh, it was tough to get both of us in the frame. He's a, he's a big guy because he was sitting down the whole time. So I don't think my friends realized quite how big he was. Yeah. And then when he gets up, he just like unrolled himself. <laughs> like he just, he just like was folded in half and it's like, oh, he's double that size. And all of a sudden he just kept going up and up and it's like, oh, seven feet. That's what it looks like. Uh, and, and, we just, like, you know, and you're still wearing the condom right now. I'm still wearing the condom. I asked if I should take if I should take it off, and he said no. Protection is probably a better idea. Uh, <laughs> he puts he puts. We just like you know we just grab each other. It was just like we've been boys forever. I grab I, I grab his waist. He grabs my shoulder. Uh, that's we're about the same size. And uh, took some pictures, shook some hands, uh, smiled. Uh, we told him we, we would try to hang out tonight and we did try to hang out, uh, the rest of the time, but, uh, it just didn't work out. I was angling, um, the first night we stayed at, uh, at my friend Jesse's house, but then she had a concert the next night. So Kevin and I were sort of, uh, stray cats for the, for the second night. So we were kind of planning on making some friends or meeting some girls. Or I was kind of angling, uh, angling for Spencer to sort of offer us a place to crash. Uh, <laughs> not that I was saying it outright, but I was just sort of like that was my that was like the subtext of of my conversation with of, with him via text, just being like not sure, was <laughs> like that kind of thing. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, but it's it was all the town, and we we texted a bunch and. Uh, he he asked me a couple things the next day about I went back to Pesos, uh, which is where I met him, hope well, to watch football because Kevin's a Chargers fan and obviously I'm an Eagles fan, so we watched the Eagles Chargers game there. And I was I texted Spencer that we were back there, like it's not a bad place in Nurse a Hangover, sort of playing it light, not sort of saying hey come over kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can work a girl, Spike. I think I know <laughs> how to be subtle. Uh, so, but he, I was hoping also that he would say, oh yeah, come up to my place to watch the game, that kind of thing, because he had said he'd been, I asked him what he was doing for the games, and he was like, yeah, we'll try watching my apartment, my house. And uh, I was hoping he'd invite us, but he didn't. Uh, not to, I mean, not that that's a bad thing. <laughs> We're strangers. So, uh, but it didn't happen. And uh, text him, my last text was like, actually, he, he said something asking about whatever. And I was like, actually, we're heading out, blah, 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 And he didn't respond. That was the last one he didn't respond to. He was like, okay, he's gone. Like, this this is over. So it was very much like a one-night stand sort of thing. And he's, uh, so, he's out of my life now. So Believe it or not, um, and unbeknownst to you, um, 
I was able to plant a secret microphone on Spencer Hawes after the meeting. Um, okay. Now, it's down by his waist, so it sounds like he's off mic, but he was recording his podcast. Um, wow. And I thought you'd like to hear what he had to say. Please. So this guy comes out of his, his, his mom's basement, and this <laughs> pussy is wearing pink pants. Pink pants! That was all. <laughs> yeah, that's a good podcast. Was that, is that the right to Eden Baptist? <laughs> yeah, it's the rights to Darius Singaila. Uh, <laughs> um, so, well, that's an incredible story. I'm glad that you and, uh, you and, and Spencer got to press the flesh uh, yeah, in, in more ways was, than one. It was weird because uh, after, right after we met, I tweeted uh, in all caps, like, guys, 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 yep. the picture. And I don't know how he saw it. Someone must have maybe his friend linked it to him or whatever because, again, I, don't, I didn't use his handle. Um, cause I didn't like really want him to see it. I don't know. It was just sort of like, you know, it's weird cause we just met and had a normal conversation and then I go on Twitter yeah. and flip out about it yeah. Like, yeah. Like, in the same way that, uh, not in the same way, but Angelo Cataldi is not the persona that he is in the morning. And I imagine your dad to some extent is not the persona that he is when he's, when he's doing his shtick, uh, uh, I do online, you know, I'm like a, a sensationalized version of myself, basically. Uh, although, if anyone's met me, it's really not that sensationalized. Most of the time, it's really actually how I well, act and talk. I tend to think it's, it's only, what it is, is it's only things that you set, like, that you would say on purpose. I, 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 would, I tried to explain this once, is that, like, when you're around somebody, it's not only... The per the, their personality isn't just only things that they say that are funny or poignant or informative. It's other things. So, like, what you get online is not like, um, hey, did you see so-and-so? Or, hey, how you doing? Like, there's no... It, it's only, like, the top. You know what I mean? It's only... It's only one aspect of them. Normally, it's it's that person. It's you know what I mean. It's but there's no like there's no nuance to it, or or the nuance is created. It's it's definitely not an entire person. It's interesting. There's this um, there's a, a a BBC show, uh, not BBC America, just regular BBC called Black Mirror, and uh, it's like a Twilight Zone show about technology and the future or something. I think there's only like six episodes, but uh, a Twitter follower. Uh, sent them to me. So I watched them and there's one about a woman whose uh, fiance dies and there's a company that can basically take a, um, create like a voice to call you of that person who died based on everything that they've said online. So it takes like all of their Facebook, all of their Twitter wow. and basically creates this. So this woman has this, like, you know, her boyfriend who just died in a car crash basically like a computer-generated version of this guy calls her. So she has this relationship, like she's talking to him, and, and it, like it's startling at first, but then it's comforting to her. So then for like this extra like 25 grand, they will send you like a robot version of this person who looks like the person, acts like the person, so on and so forth. So eventually after a few weeks, she gets like really angry and frustrated at it because the guy won't ever get mad and won't ever like doesn't ever get upset because the, the because the creation of this person because it was only what they were online 
like didn't have those aspects to it. So there was like no temper, there was no sadness, there was no any of this. And it's sort of like, I guess it spoke to the person that you create online is a lot of what you are, but it, it isn't a lot of what you are as well, I think. So. My, per- my person online would just be manic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be rough. I would not want a robot, robot and, me online. And mostly only care about basketball and how I met your mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no, I have no other interest. <laughs> so well, there you go. Um, well, amazing story. That's a great story. Um, that that there was a, a it was, and I think it was worth every second that we spent on it. Um, I'd like to, if if you'd like, in our final, you know, twenty minutes or so, speed through some of the other things that happened this week in Sixers Land. Yeah, you I mean, and we know, and we know that things are going to happen today because things only happen in the few hours after this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So they'll sign, they'll sign some other shitty guard that can't shoot um, immediately, and, and I'll after. get very excited about it. Yeah, Darius Morris. Woo! Well, speaking of Darius Morris, one of the things that I wanted to um, that I wanted to mention that there is a an excellent Liberty Ballers post on is they're doing NBA rank again, ranking the 500 best NBA players one to 500 as voted on by the ESPN staff. And the aforementioned Dave Dave uh, Reuter, do I say or Reuter Reuter Reuter? Reuter. Uh, Dave Reuter wrote a, a hilarious piece on this on Liberty Ballers. They have just debuted so far 375 to 500, but it is hilarious and fitting how many players the Sixers have in between 400 and 500. Like, it is, it's shocking. And we're talking guys that all might be on the roster. Like, not this, not like, not like joke guys or guys invited to camp. Like, you know, um, this is... Rodney Williams isn't on there. No, no. But, um, so at number 500, and I'm sure this speaks more to he ain't gonna play, uh, so they think, rather than, and they haven't seen him play in the NBA. Um, and haven't seen him play really at all for a year and a half. Uh, it doesn't speak to talent per se. Number five hundred, of course, is Royce White. Um, right? I mean, you know, I guess they don't think he's going to play, and I, I guess that seems reasonable. Number four ninety four, a, a guy. By the way, two guys on this list I forgot were on the Sixers, <laughs> and this is one of the guys is Tim Ulbricht. Timmy O. Um, number four sixty six, um, a guy who. May or may not be on the Sixers this year, if you ask Jake Pavorsky and his Google Translate, is, <laughs> is Arslan uh, Kazemi. Um, there is, the, there is a, a, a loosely translated story that, of him saying that he might be playing in Iran. Um, and we, we've had people from Iran come out of the woodwork and say, hey, next time, just ask me to translate it and we'll do that for you. And I was like, I had no idea there were people from Iran that... Well, Hoops Hype does that all the time, by the way. They'll, they'll tweet out, hey, does anyone know this language? Can you translate it? And within yeah. five seconds, they're always like, okay, we got it. Like, So, yeah, it might be, might be a good time next time, a good idea next time to do that. Um, number 450, which it's hilarious that he ranks above three other Sixers, is Kwame Brown. God bless his heart. 429, uh, two guard of the future, James Anderson. So much upside, so little time. <laughs> 420, um, another guy who can't shoot. Um, but uh, I, I was speaking to Ike Reese, is a, a Lakers fan and a Michigan State fan. So as uh, a Michigan State fan, saw Darius Morris play for Michigan, and as a Lakers fan, saw him play for the Lakers. Had positive things to say about Darius Morris, at least defensively. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's 
while I don't trust anything about Ike Reese's basketball knowledge, uh, I, I'm excited about Darius Moore's backup point guard. I think that's 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 exactly what you want. Uh, excited about it is, is a funny thing to say, but um, what else is the Sixers? What else am I going to be excited about? This is this is it. This this is the good stuff. This is the this is the eccentricities of this year's Sixers that we have to fall in love with because that's what it's going to be all year. It's going to be Darius Morris. This is and the I year. I, this I is the year that, that you define okay. suck as eccentricity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Sixers don't I, suck. They're eccentric. They are. They're very eccentric. Um, and they revealed 375 to 400, and while there are no official Sixers on it, I feel like th- at 395 is an honorary Sixer, um, and I'm sure will be a Sixer at some point this year, Royal Ivy. Royal Ivy. Um, other news, anything to say about the Sixers having perhaps six roster players? Almost half of their 14 players ranked between 400 and 500 on NBA rank. Well, I've been talking to some sources, and there's actually the uh, there's some the beginnings of the Sixers changing their name to the Philadelphia 400s. <laughs> Maybe that'll be their other D League team. That'll be the other one. No, it's the 76ers, 87ers, and like 436. This is the 7s. I don't know what, what they're going. Although it isn't officially Sixers news anymore, it is of note for a Sixers podcast, I feel like. The story out of Sam Amico at Fox Sports Ohio is that, surprise, surprise, Andrew Bynum is nowhere near ready to play. What? Will likely miss the entire preseason. No. But the hope is, is that maybe he can play in some early, um, early regular season games. And here's my favorite part of this story. The Cavs don't panic because the Cavs do have a timetable for his return. Wait, there's actually, he says the words timetable. Sam does, yeah. And then, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, like, it was so reminiscent. I mean, it's exactly, the only difference is they sort of knew ahead of time more. Like, like I'm sure Cavs fans were more prepared for this to happen. But I don't know if you can really be prepared for the, like, it's the same words. It's the same it's words. The, it's the same words. He's not going to play. He has arthritis in his knees. He'll play maybe a few games, if that. And he'll just be hurt the whole season and then never play an NBA game again. Yeah. That's it. And it's like they they have you know so much. We had so much hope for him. And we were, all, we were already talking about, you know, max contract after the season. All you have to do is play a little bit. Um, so because they signed him for such a smaller deal, it's sort of like we get it. Like, they get it. But then, you know, the numbers sort of fade away, and you look at your roster, and you keep seeing Andrew Bynum. And you're just like, man, if Bynum's healthy, and then you, do the, and you play the if Bynum's healthy game and do that dance. And uh, it's just slowly suffocating. And now we're watching another another team and another franchise do the exact same thing. I think, you know, for, for Cavs fans, it's almost like I was talking this morning about why I don't play the lottery. 
And the reason I don't play the lottery is because no matter how much I know that the odds of me winning are very, very small, after I buy the ticket, I can't help but convince myself that I actually have a legitimate chance of winning. Yeah. You start spending the money in your head, what would I do? You know, even if you're joking, like it's hard in your heart to not say, Well, you know, I buy you buy a shore house and blah blah blah, you know, all of these things. Even if, mm-hmm. if intellectually you know it's not true, you know, you're not always thinking that way. And I think the thing for Cavs fans is probably like, you know, and who knows? I, I don't know how because they've been beaten so senseless over the last five years is you know, who knows how they think, but you have to imagine that even though they knew they were taking a chance that probably wouldn't come through, that there was a lot of like, well, imagine if he does play and LeBron and blah de blah de blah. So I sort of feel for them in that respect. No, it's a bummer because, you know, the the point of being a fan is so you can hope that your team wins and hope that good things happen for them. And so part of that is, you know, oh, you sign one of the best centers in the league. I hope he's healthy. And then you start convincing yourself, okay, so when Biden's healthy, you start doing the when instead yep. of the if. And it's just like, no, man, like it's not happening. You, you took a flyer on him, and it's not going to work. So just sort of forget about it. But, you know, having been there all last season and sort of been having just jerked around by the media, not that it was the media's fault, they're just reporting on what was, Sixers were kind of giving them. Um, it sucks, man. It's the worst. And uh, people this season, coming into the season, and when, and when they got him, was like, arthritis was not mentioned in almost any of the articles. He's, that's like, he's gone out and said it in various articles, various quotes, uh, reports, etc. cetera. Uh, arthritis has been talked about. But then in almost all of the Cavs-related articles, from this off season, it's just like, well, if he can get right and, and, and really get out there and, and play if he's healthy, it's not, they're not talking about, like, it's forever. Like, forever. And the, the thing, too, is that, you know, I, even by mid-season, even, honestly, three-quarters of the way this season, people would tweet me, like, about this year's roster and say, okay, if we can sign so-and-so and we have a healthy Bynum, and I'm just like, whoa, whoa, the leap you just took there. Yeah. You're talking about a guy who has not even practiced once. So if they, if Sixers fans who were that scarred by the whole thing, were unable, or unable rather, to, to realize the, the impossibility of him playing, I can imagine that Cavs fans are, you know, are not even close to giving up hope yet. You know, th- I mean, no. this is a story that isn't going to go away quickly. If the Cavs were smart, honestly, like, if, if, because I, I think there are a lot more people that are more convinced about their roster at this point than I am at this point. Um, I would just cut in. Like, I wouldn't even want that, that thought in, in my head. I would just, I would cut bait now, you know. I, that's what I would do, but who knows what they'll do. I'm, I'm scarred. I, think it, I don't think it's worth cutting him because on the off chance, at least it does, you know, on the off chance he does play for whatever what that's worth, uh, then that's a couple, you know, that's a bunch of tickets if he ever does play a couple games even. Um, and, you know, they already signed him. There's no real, he's not, he's not a, he's not bringing bad publicity to your team. You know, he's not going out and like, you know, 
robbing someone or say, saying bad things. He's just sort of there. You just you just really want to blend him into the background. You really just don't want to address him at all. Act like he's not there. You know, train with him and do whatever it is that you think is going to get him to a point where he's playing basketball. And then when he's about to play, like the night before, just be like, okay, he's playing. Yeah, then that's but, it. But yeah, don't. You learn from how terrible it was at the Sixers last year. Don't do the same thing. Right now, it seems like they're going to do the same thing. And honestly, I, would t- I know this sounds silly and it doesn't matter, but I would honestly ask him, hey, if you're going to come to the games, could we cool it on like the different hairstyle every time bit and like do whatever you could do to stay out of like out of like to prevent yourself and us from looking like a joke you know like because if you're playing and you're doing the hair thing it's one thing but like if you're not playing and like you know and like you're making a joke out of it and you're drawing attention to yourself and you're like you're playing pop a shot in the arcade and all these things that see that seemingly seem you know that like they don't matter. They will matter, especially if the 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 Cavs start out six and ten, you know. And Bynum's there with like braids one day and half braids the next day, and the and the famous picture with him with that only one side afro, which I still look at every time I post an Andrew Bynum story on CBS Philly because it comes up in my Andrew Bynum search. So I think it's important for him to realize how damaging bad publicity can be for the team, you know, especially a young team that that I think, uh, you know, is building towards something next yeah. year. You know, they want to sign somebody big next year. If it's not LeBron, they want to sign somebody. So Yeah, and, they're, and they're, they got a good base there. I, I, love, I love everything they're doing in Cleveland, don't get me wrong. But uh, they just got to – I don't want to talk about Biden anymore. This okay. All right, yeah. Um, last couple of quick hits here. Um, this was sort of funny. David Stern was in Philadelphia for, yeah. a, for a, a conference and said – and, you know, what the hell else is he going to say? Somebody asked him about tanking and the Sixers, and he said yeah. that he hopes the Sixers make the playoffs and uh, that they're not in the lottery this year and they don't have a chance at Andrew Wiggins. And I just thought, you know, what else is he going to say? But Yeah, no, there's nothing else he could say. Yeah, but it's still sort of funny. Um, you know, when they're 1-26, one in, one in we should have that quote be, you know, the headline. I, I want to try to get the audio of it so we can play it. <laughs> Yeah, please. Um, no, I, I. It seems like, and maybe it's because we're paying more attention to it this year. But it seems like they're really trying to, maybe not crack down, but there's there's more like people are frowning upon what the Sixers are doing more than say what the Bobcats were past couple of years. It's like because the Sixers are so good at it and not they don't have. It's not like they're signing old shitty players that, like you know, you hope are good. Yeah. Like, you know, you know what I mean. Like the Bobcats, the Bobcats never had, didn't have like a young uh, base of players. Like they just had like their shitty guys that they had. I mean, they had Matt Carroll. Like yeah. that's that was the idea. Uh, the Sixers are better at being bad than they are because they're trying to clean house and get to the get to a freeing start from start from the beginning basically the bobcats weren't starting from the beginning other teams that have sucked didn't start from the beginning this, the sixers are better at it so because the sixers are actually like doing it with a plan and this is the idea uh i think you know 
Stern and various other NBA outlets, Charles Barkley, uh, is are are very like aware of the Sixers tanking and like sort of looking at it with a grimace more this year than than I've ever seen in the past. Final note, because I only have a few minutes before I have to get out of this studio, but final note, the list of the 400 richest people in the United States came out and by Forbes, and there are 32 sports owners on that list. And 33, actually, sort of, but 33 majority sports owners on that list. Uh, 12 of them are NFL um, there is only one Philadelphia sports owner on the Forbes 400, and I'd like to congratulate Joshua Harris um, on being the only Philadelphia sports owner ranking as one of the 400 richest people in America. He ranks 222 with a net worth of $2.5 billion. Not bad. Impressive more is that in 2010, he was worth $1.3 billion. So... He has doubled his net worth. We're not talking about going from $1,000 to $2,000. Doubled his net worth uh, in the last three years. There's actually another Sixers owner on the list, number 243, a Sixers minority owner, Michael Big Rubin. Style. What's oh, that? I was, thinking, I was thinking Will Smith. No, I, he can't have billions of dollars. You've got to be a billionaire to be on this Oh, he, he, he hides his money. He's got, he's got <laughs> that Independence Day money. Um, yeah. Michael uh, Michael Rubin, who lives in is from Bryn Mawr, comes in at two forty three with a net worth of two point three billion. I think it was in- interesting to note the richest sports owner on the list is Paul Allen, who is another sports owner who owns teams in different cities in different leagues. Who, of course, owns the Seattle Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers. Paul Allen is worth fifteen point eight billion dollars, which is. Ooh. Think about how how much Josh Harris is worth. He's worth $2.5 billion. Paul Allen is worth seven times as much. Seven times. It's crazy. So rich. I mean, you you get to that point and it's like, who gives a shit? Yeah. There's no level of like, once you make, once you're making over, like, I'd say the the biggest, once you make over like 150,000 and you're living like luxuriously, basically. The rest is just gravy. There's no, there's not real any real difference in happiness. I don't think between the, the, like actually, that point the, and, there, and the rest. There's a study on it, and apparently the right. happiness level is closer to I think like 70k. Is that like any number over that money doesn't change it? It's all um, how you live your life. But I think that's bullshit. <laughs> to be honest, with you. <laughs> having having made in my uh, 15 years of radio, having made all different kinds of money on the scale of radio, I can tell you that there is a slight difference. Um, you know, but it's not where most of your happiness comes from. But you know, that's a little bit of a lie. So yeah. Um, all right, we got to go. We, no, can we get the relationship advice? Oh, I I didn't have any questions. I didn't get any questions. Why don't we just start rattling off advice? <laughs> no, okay. Now we're really saying it on the podcast, and we'll actually solicit for it, not just an okay. hour before the podcast. We're going to do a segment of relationship advice with Spike and Mike every week. Um, just we won't use your name. You can sign it uh, like you know. Just send it to me at spike.eskin at gmail. Um, we won't use your name. Promise we won't or, use your or name. Or tweet at us is also fine. Yeah, but then everybody sees it. So if you don't want anyone to see it, um, you know, just you can send it. Yes, you can absolutely tweet it at us. Or to use that. And I would tell you to use the hashtag RTRS, but there is some 
someone in another country uses his hashtag for something else, so they <laughs> might discover your relationship advice. So. They're huge fans. Yes. They're huge fans. All right. Um, love you, Mike. Love you guys. All right. See you, man. Like I said, hold your head, son, and don't take a second. Yeah.